The Poet He sang of life serenely sweet, with now and then a deeper note. From some high peak nigh yet remote, he voiced the world's absorbing beat. He sang of love when earth was young, and love itself was in its lays. But ah, the world it turned to praise, a jingle in a broken tongue. Paul Lawrence Dunbar. So, what's up? Hi, how you doing again? This is your host of the Beyond the Spark podcast. I am Rhea Sunshine Carmen, and I have an amazing guest today. I am so excited to be sitting down to talk with this gentleman who is the author of eight books of poetry, including Hard-Headed Weather. Uh, his second book, Victims of the Latest Dance Craze, won the Lamont Prize from the Academy of American Poets. He also wrote a play called Brutal Imagination, which won Newsday's Oppenheimer Award in 2002. In 1996, this gentleman founded Cave Canem. And it was just a summer workshop retreat for African-American poets. But here we are decades later, decades later. This is what I'm talking about. Longevity. All right. Decades later, this gentleman has the thriving national network of black poets known as Cave Canem. And it is an institution that offers regional workshops, readings, and a first book prize, also a summer retreat. This is greatness, y'all. I don't even, I don't even know if you're ready. I don't even know if, if you, are as excited as I am to be talking to the one and only Cornelius Edie. All right. So welcome, Cornelius Edie. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Oh, wow. Okay. So I'm just going to jump right in because this is, I kind of fangirl, you know, a little bit being able to interview you. <laughs> so I, get to, I get to be a little Stop bit of a fangirl. But I want to jump, I want to jump right in and just ask, how did you get started? And like, what exactly is that first memory you have of writing poetry or being a poet? There's no one in particular memory. There, there's, there's a lot of different phases that I went through to become a mm. start, start start thinking to become a poet. There's not one moment where there's no eureka moment where I suddenly said, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna be a poet." You know. In fact, when I was a kid, I actually had different um, goals, uh, career goals. I mean, it'd, it'd be kind of like, "Well, I'm gonna be a doctor, or I'm gonna be a soldier, or I'm gonna be something else," right? But um, but but it really turned into. Um, poetry, but uh, a number of steps. And I think, I'm sure, a lot, a lot of poets, uh, you know, probably go through the same thing. You probably went through the same thing, right? It wasn't sort of like, oh, you know, didn't wake up and go, I'm going to be a poet. It was, sort of, it was sort of like suddenly you realize Sometimes that, I still don't think I'm a poet. <laughs> uh, don't worry about it, you're a poet, <laughs> you know. Um, but it's one of those things where basically, you know, at a certain point, you suddenly realize that 
you know, uh, be a preponderance of evidence is that you're now going in this direction and not in that direction, you know, and, and you know, and uh, you know, a lot of these things have to do with, you know, with, with uh, again, my, my, uh, my first sort of uh, encounter with poetry was probably in anthologies when I was in elementary, then high school, and then, you know, also songwriting has something to do with it because I was writing songs about the same time I was writing poetry. Uh, this was, I grew up in, in the 60s and 70s. And so back then, in order to try to entice uh, people, uh, students in, into poetry, there'd be anthologies that had that had songs in them, right? You know, so, so you can sort of see something. You, you, you see something that would be um, a song lyric, like Simon, Simon and Garfunkel, you know, you know, you know they're easier, easier to scan than most, most song lyrics. You know, and, you know, but, you know but, but, but you'd find something and you start seeing the connection between that and you know the, what the Beatles were doing and you know all et cetera, et cetera. So songwriting was sort of like that, and I was sort of like doing, you know, dry lyrics, right? You know, you know, lyrics were that rhymes that had had a I'm a contaminant to them, but they weren't really poems, right? They're they're more like song right. lyrics, right? Right, and, and that slowly, slowly, slowly snowballs into into going to libraries and reading, you know, libraries. Right. Libraries had a great impact on me as uh, as a developing poet. You know, again, uh, you, know, you know, we were talking about you know going to anthologies earlier, you know, before we started recording and going to anthologies and finding all these people. Well, for for me, the the great reading room and the main library in Rochester, New York, the Rundle Memorial Library, was this great, almost cathedral-like space right and wow. it, it, and i find a lot of once i started to get the poetry itch i started reading um in the uh you know in the poetry section you know um in, in the main library and never realizing you know that i one day i'd be able to uh, one of my books would be in there right i mean the, the, the <laughs> rundle library had this great thing where they had i said they had two machines for a quarter you could buy a writing pad and for a nickel you could buy a pencil <laughs> you know? Oh man, they don't do that anymore. No, no, they, don't do, no, no. they don't do that anymore. But but they did when I was around. When I was a kid, and um and and that and that was really cool. So I so I spent a lot of my you know formative years you know, sitting in the you know Rundle Library, right? You know, I'm scratching into these into these notepads, right? So 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 but but slowly not realizing at some point I ever get to the point where actually one of my books my books would be I'll be moving from the from the from the the tables there to the stacks. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah. yeah that's that's, that's kind of cool because you're talking about this this process of putting pencil or pen to the page which is not something that a lot of poets do now right like oh, yeah. most you know poets are writing in their phones and they're typing things <laughs> out do do you see a benefit to that? Do you still write in notebooks? Or no, I don't. Or... <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm a total convert. I'm sorry. Totally. I, I, I mean, it's one of those. But I had to go to some. I went to some place for for a retreat, uh, and they didn't have. You know, the only the only way I could write. You know, was, was to learn word perfect. They only had, you know, computers, the early computers, and you had to learn word perfect. And, I, and it was kicking and screaming, right? <laughs> but at a certain point, it was sort of like, oh, all right, okay. And it's not like I got, you know, once, once they get you, they got you, right? <laughs> right, yeah. right. So, yeah. you know, I just started, you know, you know, getting into word perfect and then, you know, found out that, that you know, I felt that and then got, because my wife is a graphic designer, she was doing the early Mac, Mac books and, you know, Mac Pros things. And so, so I guess so I got sucked into Macintosh from that point on. 
And, and, and I agree with you. I, I, I mean, there's, there's, you know, people have these different arguments about, you know, the machine versus the hand. Some people really still believe that that is really good to slow down. And I, and I see the point to it that it slows you down, makes you really start thinking and rethinking it. Wow. But I also enjoy the idea of speed, right? And, 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 and mm-hmm. being able to sort of get it down and it's, in, it's there. And if you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're not being careless, you actually can, can save the different drafts that, that it goes through. And, you know, and, you know it's, just, it's, just a, it's just a tactile difference, right? I, I was mm-hmm. once at, um, a couple of years ago, I was doing something at um, the Strand Library, the Strand Bookstore, which is in Lower Manhattan. It was sort of like uh, the poets were invited to come in and write poems to spec. So would come in from the store and say, I want to write a poem about my anniversary. And they gave us typewriters, old manual typewriters, right? right. I sort of remembered just how wonderful it was to actually slow down and type, right? You know, but, 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 but I remembered what it was like to slow down. And that was, a, that was really a cool thing. So, so I don't fight with people who think it's really like this is a better way of doing it. You know, I mean, whatever works for you works. But, but, but I totally remember what it was like to, when I was a kid, how scribbling, <laughs> you know, really yeah. was a good thing. Pencils are great because, you know, you get the pencil, you get the eraser. I think I still, I, I do a little bit of both. I think, you know. Uh, Sometimes I, I, I have notebooks all over the house. I'm sure my husband yeah. is like, please stop buying notebooks. Um, but I have notebooks all over the house and I'll start a poem there. Like it's almost like it the process has to begin on the page. Yeah. And then and then I take it and I finish the whole poem, you know, on my computer or, you know, saying it into my phone. Um, but it always seems like just the piece that first initial thought comes from me scribbling something something down. Oh, yeah. So that's oh, yeah. that, that's that's what's always so um so different because hosting open mics, people always you know they come to the mic, they got the phone. That's what that's that's where you know poetry happens now is in in the app. <laughs> it's in the app. So unfortunately, I tell my students the same thing. Look, you know, if, if you know, if you really got an idea that you got all these little things in your phone where basically you just need to scribble it down, you don't have to come back, you can come back to it later, but you don't have to let go of it. You simply, simply put it down and, and, and you know, and just, and just keep it. And that's a good thing, right? Uh, I mean, sometimes you, you don't have a, a pen or a pencil, you know, and, and you really, it really is a good right. thing to get, to get, get these ideas down. But I also remember that I remember I just exactly how I used to write. That's exactly how I used to write. It, w- it would be longhand to a certain point and then typewriter, right? But when, when I got down to a certain stage, you know, I suddenly, then I realized it's time to go into the typewriter, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, and, and I totally remember that. That was a really nice, I remember that process. It, it, was, it was fine. Um, I actually wrote one of my longest poems, um, Gratitude, uh, that way, right? And, and, when I, and when I got to the, um, uh, the typewriter stage, because it it's, it's a long poem, I actually started cutting out um, sections of it and then just pasting it in, right? You know, you, you know, just, 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 just gluing it in and going over it, right? So I didn't have to start from the absolute top of the poem, right? Um, and, and yeah, right, right. And it actually helped me get into word perfect because I suddenly, even though I was kicking and screaming, I had to concede at a certain point that I was just doing the same. I had been physically doing that cut and paste, right? So, right. You, know, you know, but, 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 but it really was uh, for a long time. That was the um, that was the way I would I would I would that was the only way I could write. You know, longhand 
then to typewriter, right? Uh, and, yeah. and then finish it up on a typewriter. And, and, and people get funny about typewriters. Some people read, read, read really down on manual typewriters, and other people thought the electrics were bad, right? <laughs> right? Electrics were evil because they're too fast, and you know, you know, manuals <laughs> are really what it is. You know, you know well, typewriters are typewriter to me, but you know, so I, I didn't have a preference. I think I think it actually I think it actually sort of you know forces you to think it thinking you know you're thinking mm -hmm. about it in, in a different right. way. I'm sure, you, I'm sure you feel that way. It's a different way of thinking it. Right? You're carrying yeah. the palm in a different way than if you simply just go straight straight onto the keyboard and you know and just just hit print. <laughs> It's funny that you say carrying the poem because I think we all think of like our poems as like our little babies. Um, is there an incubation process for you? Is you know, is there a process of, of incubation for your poems? Like, do you do you think about them and then kind of hold them in your spirit and let them feed you a little while and then they're birthed, or is everything just kind of like brain to page, brain to page? Well, you know, it it. Um... The older you get, the faster you get, because you simply just, you know, I mean, I, I'm only speaking for myself, can't speak on that, but that's how it feels for me. Uh, that that you that you do sort of sort of like it just, you know, you don't. Um, when I go to when I teach workshops, I have to remind myself that people are still going through that process where they simply ask themselves questions and they're asking themselves, "Do I want to rewrite this?" I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. There's lots of steps you don't worry about anymore because you're doing it for such a long wow. time. You have a sort of confidence about how you start and you know, how you get into the poem, and then then you go on. It changes, I think, as you get older. Mm. But it's one of those things where basically, yeah, you know, I, I I don't. It will it will vary from poem to poem. Right. Mm -hmm. Some poems, I, you know, you just know is this going to be really fast, and you can you go to it. And some poems, some poems, you know, you carry for longer, you know, because you, you haven't quite figured out what it is yet. Right. Yeah. You, you have an idea, and you don't know what the poem is te actually telling you. Oh. So, so sometimes you really have to, speak, you know, give yourself some space and some time to actually, you know, listen to what the poem is trying to tell you. Right. What are you really trying to? What is this really about? What are you really trying to say? What is what is really the, the you know the center of this poem? Right. And you know you know and then, and then how am I getting at it? Right. How, how you know is was this the way I'm getting at? It? But I don't but I don't break it down that that that, that way. Any I mean I don't. I don't Fits, you know, mentally go, oh, mm, what's, what's, yeah, what's, I, it's just sort of like, oh, here's a draft, oh, I'm moving this, oh, I'm going to do this, oh, I'm gonna do, oh yeah, 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 okay, yeah, you know, and I don't really think about it as, as much as I, you know, as I did when I was younger. It was just because I've done so many poems, <laughs> you know, it just becomes second nature to start, to start the issue, to start it, you know, start at such an editorial process with, your, with yourself, right? Um, right. And it's good because, you know, you know, you know, I mean, you get to a point where basically you're, you have enough under your belt, you kind of get a sense of where it's going. You know, but again, it's, it varies from poem to poem. Some poems are just, you know, stubborn, and they're not, and you haven't figured out what it is. Um, and and some poems are just is really easy. Some poems will take me, you know, will, will take that long, right? It'll just, it'll just sort of like I, I get to it, and that's what it is. And, you know, the great thing about it, of course, is that, you know, even if you're right, you're not obligated to show anybody <laughs> until you're ready to let it go. That's the beauty in, the in it, yes. Right. So, so you might think you're finished, and on on Tuesday and on Saturday you read it again, you realize, oops, <laughs> <You know? laughs> I guess I wasn't finished, or or or, or how could I not, you know, uh, figure that out? Or it floats back up to the consciousness, and you suddenly realize, oh, the line that was missing and you didn't think was missing now presents itself. So I'm like, oh. 
Yeah. I think even when you're not running, there's a part of the brain that's always active about this kind mm. of this kind of stuff. Right. You know? Yeah. So, so so you may not be consciously doing it. You might be having a cup of coffee. Or you might be talking to your friends or something like that. And then suddenly a line comes back and you and you know where that line is it needs to be slotted. It's not like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. But you weren't actively thinking about the poem. I've been doing that this afternoon. I'm working on a I'm working on a song. Um, started lyrics uh, early this morning um, and then went to bed um, and then, you know, uh, started to uh, do other things. But, but you know, all during the day, little lines of stuff coming off, not this, that, oh, this will probably stand better than that. <laughs> but I'm not it. thinking, I wasn't physically, you know, I wasn't consciously thinking of the song, but a little part of the brain is still, you know, rotating it, right? Still, yeah. You know, just float up these these ideas. So like, oh, you didn't need this, you meant this. Oh, this will be. This, wouldn't this work clear? You know, is is that is that? Yeah, you know, that's a little that's a little naughty there. You know, and it's really a song that needs to be clearer and cleaner than that. So, the process will start to go off on its own in some ways. Feels like it was on, on you uh, know almost automatically in some ways. And I've got a draft now that I just sent off to my other other you know to the band, and you know it'll probably change again when they come back with an arrangement for it. I guess what I also tell my students is that you're always in the process, right? The best thing to be is in the process, you know? Oh, that's good. So that you're always, you know, available. <laughs> you know, available or, to the point. Right, that's right. good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, so who do you read? Who are you um, reading now? Who are some of your favorite writers and, and books that you've read? Oh, God. Um, that's that's an ongoing thing, you know. I mean, some of them are my students at UT. I've got some my grad students that have some fantastic poets. Mm-hmm. So just I mean, really, they're they're all good, and some of them just really, you know, just I'm just really uh, amazed to to, uh, to to read them. And, you know, and I think I'll, I'll I'll will be I'll will be reading them. So so there's so there's that. There's um. Lately, I've been reading. Uh, I've been reading Lucille Clifton. Yeah. Every so often I'll get a poem about Lucille and I'll, and I'll, from Lucille and I'll think it's like a message from Lucille. (laughs) It seems like she's writing directly to you. Sometimes it feels that way. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, when you find just, it's like some of her poems just is like, did she write that for me? Exactly. I found found that, yeah. I was taping a, a, a series where they film poets, you know, reading, right? And they, they put some, they, they make it, they turn into a little films. And they did one of my, one of my poems and they asked me to do one of uh, somebody else's poem that I, poets that I admire. And I, I, I picked up on my desk, Lucille Clifton's How to Carry Water, mm. you know, and I opened it and this is the poem it opened to. <laughs> you know, opens a turning, right? Uh, turning into my own, turning on in, to my own self at last, turning out of the white cage, turning out mm-hmm. of the lady cage, turning at last on a stem like a black fruit in my own season at last. And, yeah. and, and I was sort of like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, you know, I, I know it, I know it was, I, I know it was a coincidence, but it felt like a moment that I was in, right? The, yes. the, the moment we slowly realized, you know what? Yeah, you're not this and you're not that you've, you've actually sort of gotten yourself this is who you are now 
you know, and so and so I picked that that poem to be the second poem, and, and Lucille's just like, I was like, oh, there you go, once again, Lucille, <laughs> you know. There's this great poet I just discovered. Um, his name is Daniel B. Summerhill, and this is his, his book, um, Mausoleum of Flowers. Uh, it's a okay. great, it's a great book. He's not a coffee cabin poet. He's not. He's not a coffee cabin poet. And like you know, it's um, Kevin Carey Press. You know, um, it's his first book. Brilliant book. I love his book. Um, just, just, just been, just been really fun to watch, um, to read. Uh, there's an old friend of mine named Meg Carney. Back in the day, we used to teach at a summer writers camp. The National Book Foundation had a summer camp for writers, right? for teens and meg ran that for about 10 years um and i for 10 years i would do Codicon, and then i go over and do the uh the uh, uh national book foundation summer uh work work camp uh and uh writing camp and she just did a, a great book called all morning the crows and this book is about divorce and it's it's this incredible powerful linked sonnet sequence about this and it's absolutely mm -hmm gorgeous and heartbreaking and you know you know it's hard to write this. I, I was reading it and i was thinking how hard it is to write this kind of material mm -hmm. you know to, to make it really feel like that like you're in, in it and you know what the what the what the details are and and it makes it richer because of that it's a great book right. so i mean there's there's that there's also always i mention um Sterling A. Brown. What I think is again, you know, I, I call him the poet laureate of the Jim Crow South. And the, the more mm -hmm. we're going, the more we're going through the things we're going through right now, you know, the, the, the more uh, Sterling's work feels like it was just written, you know, the day after, <laughs> yeah. you know, the day after yesterday. You know, it, he really captures that, you know. And unfortunately, he does it so well. He resonates so well. It resonates between the 30s and now, right? Right. The players have changed, right? But the sin is the yeah. same, <laughs> you know. So still the same. I I wrote a poem. Um, my my Juneteenth celebration poem was <sighs> about how it seems as though the poetry and the music that was written so long ago is still so pertinent today. And it's timeless, not necessarily because it's so good, and it is good, but it's timeless because we're still experiencing the same things. Yeah. Um, and so those words that were spoken then are still needed and very yeah. true now. And as a poet, what can we do to change it so that it's timeless because it's just good and that those times are, yeah. are over? Um, so that was kind of my question, you know, what do I do um, as a poet to make it so that our art is just history and it's beautiful as history and it's not yeah, yeah. Oh, present day. <laughs> that's a perfect way of looking at it. That's, 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 you know, because, well, and, and this is our moment, right? You know, this is yeah. our, our place in that chain, right? Mm -hmm. So, you, you know, you know and, and you're right, you know, we, it's what we know and what we add on to. Right and how we add and how we add it right is is really right. must be it's really gonna be the question, you know. And I feel I do I definitely feel that that's how how we how history plays us how we play history you know, <laughs> you know what's gonna happen, you know. It's and, and you're right. I mean, our job you know what's our duty as, as poets, right? 
what's what's our obligation to history? What's our obligation to our own uh, to our own culture, right? Right. And to ourselves as writers, you know. I know. Big questions. <laughs> yeah, um, Mar- Marilyn Callett is is one of my mentors, and she always says that we continue to write so that the moment when we're called on to write, we're ready. Yeah. And- <laughs> And so she says, you know, I write every day so that when something happens and I'm called on to be able to speak to it, I'm ready and I and I have everything to to get it done. So um, I think that's you know that's always what I keep in my mind of why we keep going is because something is going to happen that's going to require our voice and we this is we're just practicing making sure that we're ready. Oh, I totally agree with that. You also made me think of something that Lucille Clifton would always say: you, know, you, have, to, you have to be available for the poem, right? <laughs> right, uh, yeah. right, right. And, and I think that's right. You have to, you know, you, and that's why you keep writing. So that goes back to what I was saying about process. You do you do the process because you're ready. So your 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 uh, instrument is ready. You know, when the you know when when the when the occasion arrives, right? Right. It's not that you can't do it. It's just that's easier to do it. You know, if, if you're in that flow. Yeah, yeah, if you're in that space. I think that's that's kind of, you know, how you were saying earlier, how you're not planning or, or thinking about these lines or necessarily putting the energy to there, but because you've started that process, you're always in it. And yeah. so those lines can come to you even while you're washing dishes. Or yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, class or, or doing something else, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. That's what it is. You know, it's, it's just sort of like, you know, the automatic brain or, or the subconscious, however you want to put that, is, is, mm-hmm. is, is very, I think it's really important. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so there's a question I ask in every interview, and okay. this is going to be really good because you've had an opportunity to work with so many different poets. Um, and so the question is, if you could collaborate with anybody, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh. I know you collaborated with so many people. So. I know. So yeah. So so it's kind of like you know you you know it isn't like that got to, to do collaborations, but you know it's it's gonna have to think about that, right? I, I mean, there's there's just so many so many different you know uh, aspects of that, uh, you know, and, and so many you know uh, writers uh, that I really admire. You know that I'd really sort of like to to you know to, to do I do projects with it. You know, and, and I'm and, and I am collaborating. I'm doing something right now. I'm doing a, I'm possibly doing a, a dance project uh, with some people up in, in Montreal. So it's, you know, so so it is, I'm always I'm always you know something's in the fire, right? Uh, right. I don't. I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, one of the my one of the 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 the, the I think the most interesting collaborations I've done, uh, you know, has been with, uh, with with Sterling Brown's work. But I set that to music. Another collaboration. I don't know if you can consider it writing, but but Kati Kama is a collaboration with me and Joy, oh. right? Me and Joy Derek Kati. You know, uh, you know, the, uh, the the theory pieces I did with Deidre Murray was a collaboration, and I, and just a wonderful you know thing to do with with her. You know, so 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 it's like I got I got a wish list of people that I can't I wouldn't think about right because I've always I think I've done some pretty great collaborations over the over the span of my career, but you know, it, it, it you know there's there's people that are that are gone that you'd like to work with. I, I would have loved to have worked with with, with you know uh, with you know 
God, I, I what would have been like to work with Alvin Ailey for, when he was around, right? You know, to do a, to, 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 to a piece like that, you know? I, I will tell you one, one moment where I actually um, thought about something. I was actually at the City Winery years ago um, in, in Lower Manhattan, and a friend of mine had taken, had just, just taken me out, and we, we went to see Emmy Lou Harris. And Emily Lou was doing something with Rodney well, Cowell, I think his name is, and they were they were they were you know, doing uh, uh, premiering a, uh, an album they did together. And you know, at City Winery is a really small place. It's kind of like Jake and Real, right? You know, you know, it's mm-hmm. like really yeah. small space, right? You know, and and it's like you know, Emily Harris was there at the bar, and I was just you know hanging out with my friend, and a thought ran through my head: Emily Lou Harris should work with poets. <laughs> you know, and I almost walked, and I almost walked up to her. What I really had in my head was, was, uh, have you heard of Marie Howe? Because in my head, when I started thinking about, it, I thought Marie Howe and, and Emily Harris somehow should know each other, right? Mm-hmm. Right. They, I, I think they really like each other, right? And, and I almost walked over to her and I said, I almost said, Miss Harris, I, I, I'm a poet, and I think you should be working with poets. And I thought, how oh, stupid that's going to sound like, right? How stupid <laughs> that's going to sound, right? Like I'm coming on to her, like I'm a poet, you know? <laughs> you know so I didn't do it. But 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 the thought did run through my head. It'd, it'd be like, you know, Emmy Lou Harris and 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 Marie Howe should meet to, and do something together, right? You know, she should uh-huh. work with poets for a while. She should do a part because she's so, she she does she has adventures with. Where they work now, you know, it isn't sort of like she's not just doing, you know, you, you know, the neo country. She's actually, actually, she does things like, you know, Wrecking Ball, which is this incredible album, which is just all this all right. stuff on it. You know, and she does all the projects. And I thought, you know, she probably would like Marie Howe. If they got together at a bar and sat talking and comparing notes, they probably hit it off. When, when I was at, when I was teaching at Stony Brook, um, um, uh, the thought ran through my head at, at Stony Brook, Southampton that perhaps we should invite Roseanne Cash, Cash to come and teach the summer workshops, right? Because, because, because she's so articulate and she, has, and she really knows how to talk about this and she probably could really do a really good uh, you know, class there. But I never got the chance to put that idea out. But, you know, but, but, but those are the those are kind of, when I think, I mean, that's what I'm thinking about, right? right? You know, it, 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 would, it would have been interesting to see how that happens. And it would have been interesting, you know, Alvin, Alvin Ailey would have been really fun, right? You oh, know, yeah. uh, you know, um, you know, you know, working with, you know, with some other, uh, of the, the jazz people would, would have been interesting, you know? Um, um, you know, so you, you never know. I mean, you know, you know, and you never know. I mean, the people are gone and gone, but you never know who you might run into. <laughs> you right. know? And I'm always open for collaboration. I love it. Okay. Um, let's see. So do you have a poem that you would love to share with us? Yeah, sure. Um, it's, it's not a happy poem, but I wrote it um, for the Paris Review a few years ago. Um, and um you know, it's 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 about gun violence. Uh, so I'm going to fudge one word because it's a really good, there's a swear word in it, so I'm not going to do it. Uh, but 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 uh, but here's here it is: the Second Amendment. Driving out to Long Island over the Williamsburg Bridge, I spot the young white men on the rooftop. There's a bottleneck as the ribbon of feeder lanes merge. The boys on the roof laugh. One of them cradles a mock rifle. Another 
cocks his thumb and forefinger into a pistol, the way of cowboys and Indians, the way of kids, wishes, whistling, aimed, and fired. The driver with the Habib, the driver with the dreads, the driver with the darkest skin, burst water balloon, hacked limb, messed up puppet, cut free. The boys are not quite ready. This is not the day after the dress rehearsal, the day someone regrets putting on a bright hat or zigs instead of zags or wisely detours the parade or street fair and wishes they could drive the afternoon back to its tame beginning and choose again. This is the day we will ride spotless through their blank mercy. Wow. That's that 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 was beautiful and the imagery like I could I was picturing everything as you're saying it. I absolutely loved it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm telling listen, listen audience, you guys are out there listening, get the just immerse yourself in some Cornelius Edie poetry because it's going to change your life. It's going to make you feel real good. And, Thank you. And, uh, and if you if you get a chance to see him with his band, then that's going to take you to another level because <laughs> he fuses that poetry and music so beautifully. Um, so yeah, definitely, that's what you want to do if you're listening, Cornelius Edie. He's in Knoxville, Tennessee right now. So if you get a chance, take a class. Um, that's, what I've been telling, that's what I've been telling everybody. I was like, look, you don't have to go back to college, but just sign up for one class and sign that's up for his. It will be you know, absolutely a blessing to be able to sit under someone with that knowledge and that uh, history of poetry and 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 growth and life. Um, I told my husband, I was like, I might take the class if I can get away from teaching <laughs> long enough. Um, try and come back and take a class. I haven't so been in college in a long time. Well, you'd be welcome. I can tell you that. <laughs> We're gonna have some fun. <laughs> All right, so uh, you have Cave Canem, and um, as much as I have read about Cave Canem and how it just got started as a summer retreat. And now here we are some decades later and it is just so much more. How does that make you feel that, that you have had such a hand in the future um, of black poets? Well, it, it's a relief in some, in a lot of ways. It's a relief, um, it, that, that it works so well, that it works so long. Um, you know, that so many poets came out of that program, out of, out of that, out of the retreat, you know, um, I mean, they do the work. I mean, you know, we just, we just provide the location, right? You know, and, and the inspiration maybe, you know, but, but, you know, but, but they, but they do, they do the carrying and, and as and just incredible, I, I think, to, to see how many incredible writers have passed through uh, Kani Kanam. Um, and 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 also see how many great poets are coming through that are, are coming up, you know, as as well. The, the the thing that I thought was most unique about Kavi Khanum was that Toy and I knew before everyone else 
who was coming along, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you, we knew, you know, you know that, you know that, that, that you know that uh, uh, Tracy K. Smith was there. We knew, that, you know, you know, what, you know what, uh, what, what, you know, Terrence Sage was going to do. We knew, you know, we, we you know, it was, it was sort of like this, this affirmation of our voices, of, of our visions, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and what everyone in our own group knows about already, right? You know, but but then it then goes on to a larger, larger uh, culture. You know, is is really you know very satisfying, and, and I'm and I'm you know and again it's 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 the work that they've done, right? Toy and I, mm-hmm. I think you know just really just again to sort of set this up and 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 was able to carry it for as long as we did, um, but but it was but it was the fellows, you know, who trusted mm-hmm. each other, the fellows that you know supported each other, the fellows who you know celebrated each other, you know that that, that really was to me the the fuel. Uh, of the engine for Kavi Khanum, and it continues to be. Yeah, I know. Um, I have a, a, a much smaller group. <laughs> it's called <laughs> the fifth, the fifth woman. Um, but that's exactly it. You know, I have, uh, I, I bring in about four to five fellows mm-hmm. every year, and just work with them consistently for uh, eight to nine months to put on a full length show, and. It has been awesome just seeing uh, the stories that come out of that and how they do form this bond together yeah. and then depend on each other for that creative process. And yeah. the, the work that they have put out has been phenomenal. Um, yeah. So uh, I just, I can, I can really um, see how affirming it is to see your vision come to fruition you know yeah. like what you what you thought would happen to see it happening uh, what what would you say to an aspiring poet right now like well it's what's your advice god um my my advice is always persistence <laughs> persist Right. You know, yeah, I mean, you, you've got, I mean, talent is, is, is important, uh, you know, uh, but persistence is always the, the, the key. You have, to, you have to keep at it. You have to keep at it and you have to keep at it going through things that, that may not, uh, you know, uh, feel encouraging. Um, you know, it's, it's a, we're, 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 well, we're in a culture where we're basically, poetry is considered a, a uh, uh, you know, to a lot of people considered a, you know, a luxury, a, 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 a you know, something that comes from, from you know, that's way rises from, from privilege, right? I mean, in America, right? So, you know, so, 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 you know, it's, it's one of those things where basically, you know, you choosing this um, can sometimes get people, uh, make people uh, look at you askew, can, can, can make you feel like that you're not, you know, that you're not worthy of doing this, that somehow you're, you're uh, avoiding life by, <laughs> by, by, by writing, um, you know, um, but, but you're not. You're actually, I think, I think you're in it. I've, I've said this many times. I, I think the imagination is the most, one of the most important things for existence. Uh, yeah. and, 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 and I'd hate to think of a, of a, of a, of a world or a country where uh, imagination is, you know, uh, delayed or, or, or frustrated or destroyed. You know, um, you, you don't want to live in that kind of location. You really don't. Um, so, it's, you know, and I also know how, how political it is, too. I think you should think about that is, is you know, actually for definitely for writers of color, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's well, it's, it's, yeah, the imagination is a political act, 
you know, um, and it, it's, it, it, you know, it is a political act. And, and you know, this idea, you can go this point, <laughs> we, we saw like a broken record in this moment, so I'll try to keep it short. But when I, when I go back to Phyllis Wheatley, you know, and you go back to that eight-line poem that she wrote, you know, being brought from um, Africa to, to America, um, where, where basically she's talking about Black imagination there, right? Or, or, or she's talking about Black perception there, right? Mm -hmm. uh, about, about, about how the culture perceives you, you know? Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, being seen with a, a diabolic eye, right? Right? You know, you know um, right. or, or the, the famous couplet, remember, uh, Christians, Negroes, dark as Cain, may be refined and join the angelic train. Now, she's talking about um, Christianity, but Christianity is, is woven into, you know, this idea of American culture is woven into this right. idea, you know, of, of you know, who, who's, who's acceptable and who isn't. And she's basically saying, you know, basically, you know, I'm here and I'm real and I'm not chattel, right? And I've got a brain, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know, you know and I, I'm going to force you to look at me. You know, so 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 that that imagination is is political, can be deadly, can be dangerous. <laughs> you know, uh, yes. but 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 I also think it's very necessary. It's a necessary uh, you know part of, of human existence, and it's really something that um, again, writers of color uh, really need to you know fight for, right? Fight for yes. that space, right? Because it won't be given to you. Right. And it can be, and sometimes it actually can be taken away. Right. It, they, it, it can be, well, they attempt to take it away. Well, you know, I was going to say, I, if, you, if you let them, <laughs> which yes, you want. Yes, yes. That's yeah, the yeah. thing. You, you yeah. cannot let them take your voice. Oh, yeah. man. That's good. That's real good. So, uh, so what do you have in the works? How can people follow you, get in touch with you? Where can they see you? Well, I'm, like, on, you're, you're yeah, all I'm, over the place. I'm so. all over the place. It's true. <laughs> all over the place. But I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram and I'm on Twitter. You know, I'm not great on Twitter, but I, I do have an account there. Um, and, you know, um, I actually, you know, you can you can check out the uh, the latest record on. Um, this is the record company is called June Appal, which is called, it was spelled A-P-P-A-L. Um, it's a small uh, record company out of Lexington, Kentucky. Um, and, you know, but, but, but it's a record label and you, you, and you can check out the, the latest one on there. Um, but working on some stuff right now, um, hopefully, um, you know, this is going to be, uh, interesting summer. Like I said, I'm dealing with a lot of family you know, things that are going on in my family right now. But um, but but hopefully I'm going to be able to preserve the time to write to get some stuff done. Um, and um, you know, sooner or later, you know, books will come out. Sooner or later, you know, I, 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 oh, one thing I, I do know uh, almost for certain is that the, the opera that I did with Deidre Murray, Running Man, that was wrote the libretto for, is probably going to get a uh, uh, a uh, cast recording uh, coming from the Roundabout Theater uh, uh, very soon. It's never been recorded uh, uh, professionally. And, um, and, and, and I think we're gonna be able to get the original Running Man for the, for the soundtrack, uh, Darius de Haas. Uh, who I, people watch the marvelous Mrs. Mrs. Um, Maisel. Uh, he's, the, he's the voice for that African-American singer, Shy, right? That's right. actually Darius. When you, when you hear Shy, you're hearing Darius to Haas. And, um, and um, that's, that's uh, and if we can get Darius to do that, it's going to be an incredible recording. And, uh, you know, you know, I'll, you know I'll, I'll be sure to let you know, you know, when that comes out. 
Absolutely. I definitely want to hear it. Um, I had the chance to remake uh, Vivaldi's Four Seasons with the Knoxville Symphony Orchestra. Oh, wonderful. Oh. And uh, and put some spoken word poetry along oh. with the symphony. And yeah, it is. It's 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 amazing just that feeling of when you get to combine the genres and the power that comes out of it. Uh, because you know, Vivaldi wrote from a very different place than than the poets wrote from, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you get yeah. to fuse yes. those together, and it was it was pretty awesome. So that, that's incredible. Was it recorded? Ah, uh, yeah, we do have an audio recording of it. Yes. Oh my god, is it available? Because like, can you download it someplace? Is it like around? Oh, you know, you can't do that with uh, the symphony orchestra. Uh, okay. You make it so that you can't um, you can't market that. So, Ar- archival, okay. Yes, yeah. it's just archival. So um, that's the only part that I didn't like, but hopefully maybe uh, we'll be able to do it separately and just do it with a smaller, you know, orchestra and, mm-hmm. and record it so that um, I can put it out because it was, it was pretty powerful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope I get to hear it sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know that once you are back in town a little bit more, we will definitely, like I said, we have to get together. We got to rock a mic. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. That will be done. Okay. (laughs) And uh, in 2023, um, the Southern Fried Poetry Slam will be in Knoxville. So we definitely will want you to be involved. um, Oh, yeah. That because uh, we are, we've been, it'll be, you're 31 of a Southern Fried Poetry Slam. So um, it's been going for a while and all of those poets would love, I know they would love to meet you. I love that, I love to do that, you know? Your slams have been all around longer than Kazi Khan. <laughs> Something about that. <laughs> oh man. So, so yeah. yeah, so thank you. Thank you so much uh, for, for talking with me. And like I said, I cannot wait until we can actually be in the same space and face to face. It'll be fun, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Beyond the Spark podcast. Remember to follow Raya Sunshine Poetry on social media and please subscribe to the podcast so you can be notified when another episode is dropped. Again, thanks for tuning in and we will see you next time when we go Beyond the Spark.